What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Celtics Collective Podcast, brought to you by Heavy on Celtics and Heavy on Sports. We're here to keep your finger on the pulse of all things Celtics basketball. You're going to be joined by Sean Devaney, our resident NBA insider, giving you the inside workings of an NBA front office, giving you some trade rumors that you may not see or you may see after you hear the episode when the ag- aggregation occurs. Maddie Kroll, our hostess, who likes to throw shade at everybody and anybody for no apparent reason. And then you've got me, Adam Taylor, who's the X's and O's guy. And generally, I'm just not pleased with anything I see. So make sure you tune in. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Celtics Collective Podcast. I'm Maddie Kroll, and I am here with Adam and Sean, who I will let introduce themselves. Hey everyone, I'm Sean Devaney uh, here at uh, Heavy Sports, uh, and uh, I'll toss it over to Adam now across the pond. Yo, it's good everybody, my name's Adam, I'm over at Heavy on Celtics, nice to meet y'all. We got some fun topics today. We do, did you just drop y'all, like you live in the States? <laughs> I mean, I've tried to Americanize where I can, is that an issue? We're rubbing off on them, no, I like it. I mean, I, 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 I'm accustomed to your ways. <laughs> I'm here for it. You're adaptable. Yeah, I'm super uh what's the word we'll use? Super Marcus Smart like. I would say Tatum with all of the news that's going on with his wrist back wrist fracture playing through that in the playoffs. He's far too tall. On Marcus Smart's height, Tatum towers over me. I didn't realize that we were going with like really hard comparisons. What did you guys think about that, though? Because I was shocked. I had no idea that he would – there was even an inkling that he ha- was injured during that time. Yeah, obviously he had some some struggles in the finals, but this was an injury apparently that went way back, uh, you know, to the Super Bowl, you know, to, to early February from what he said. Um, and when you look at his numbers, uh, especially what he did the second half of the year when the Celtics really got rolling – uh, you know, when he was really moving the ball, uh, averaged 30.4 points in the second half of the year, uh, which is just about uh, around when that uh, injury happened, uh, and, 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 and seven rebounds, about the same with assists. So, uh, you know, I, it, it's pretty amazing that, that, that you could have a fracture in your wrist, uh, you know, even if it's your left wrist, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still something that, uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty impressive that, that he was able to do that. I mean, and then you go into the playoffs, right? Seven thirty-point yeah. games, 30, seven thirty points or more games, forty-six points in Game Six against the Milwaukee Bucks, two Game Seven closeouts, played one in both. Then he obviously he catches that stinger to the right shoulder. Um, I think that was with a collision with Aladipo in the Eastern Conference Finals, which he won Conference Finals MVP. And then, even with a damaged shoulder with 18 months of non-stop basketball on his legs and a fractured wrist, plays every game in the finals. Like, I understand that he kind of fell off a little bit. And I think when he was talking about, like, uh, he mentioned, like, hey, I was wearing that wrist brace, and then as soon as I knew the cameras or the media were going to be there, I was taking that wrist brace off. You know, they didn't really want anybody to know. They wanted to keep it in-house. I feel like he he kind of fell on his sword a little bit after mis- underperforming against the Warriors. Everyone's saying Tatum sucked. He's wilted under the pressure, when, wilted when the lights are brightest. When in reality, the dude's playing with two really painful injuries, a load of miles on the clock from, you know, before the season began when he was playing in the Olympics. 
and he had he he kind of he he internalized all of that criticism knowing that none of us really knew the full story so uh he he fell on his sword a little bit as well and i think that when you look back you need to be really impressed with what he did from as sean said from the all-star break onwards Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, you know, the other thing, too, is you mentioned that that shoulder injury like that was the one that was really killing him. And you could see why he wouldn't want to mention the wrist injury, because the Warriors, especially Draymond Green, were going right at that shoulder. Anytime they had a chance to, they were going to they were going to bump Tatum in that shoulder, make sure that he uh, uh, make sure that he felt it, make sure that they got every advantage uh, that they could. So, you know, he had plenty of incentive to try to make sure nobody knew about that wrist. That's a point that we should really like hammer on too is they played very physical teams towards the end i mean the warriors are not a soft team to go up against and they have depth on their bench so they were able to get their players out get them well rested where the celtics didn't have that luxury yeah and think think about that miami series too right where he's going up against pj tucker who just wears you down uh and and you know seven games and that that final shot from jimmy butler i mean just watching that series i think most of us by the time jimmy butler misses that three it was kind of like it was like everybody was just exhausted from that series imagine playing in it and playing with the shoulder and with the uh with the wrist injury there too i've got a hot take that was the worst series in the celtics finals run like it was the least enjoyable series i felt like there was no like i just felt like there was no excitement until that game seven against Miami, whereas against Milwaukee, it was physical. There was a lot of talent. There was a lot of, uh, how can I put it? A lot of physicality with skill where against Miami, because they were depleted, Cole Lowry wasn't himself. There was no Tyler Hero for a lot of it. It just felt like they were trying to beat you up and it just wasn't enjoyable. So hot take, that was the worst series in the entire <laughs> I don't think that that was too much of a hot take because it was even off the court. You noticed that there wasn't much media hype around anything. No one was paying attention to it. Um, it was all about Golden State. And then here come the Celtics after that series. So I agree with you on that. And the Miami- yeah, that, that was that was the one where it was like, you know, we went by 25, you went by 25, we went by 25. Yeah. You know, I think there was there was that one game where the Celtics got down 26 and 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 rallied and almost pulled off the comeback. They didn't in the end, but that had some excitement in it at least. But for the most part, they were all blowouts. And that Miami crowd was just checking their phone. Every time the camera panned <laughs> to the crowd in Miami, everyone's just like looking on their phone, seeing if they can see, oh, look, I'm on the camera. I'm on the camera. It you can always brilliant. tell when they can't fill up the fill up the the stands because they'll only pan to like one section of the stadium at a yeah. time or the arena. And I felt like that continued to happen. And there was one game where they had like given away tickets to a school or something because it was all students. Like all you see is just a, a ton of kids that are up in the stands. And I was like, oh man, that's bad. It's like the Oscars when they have the jerseys. Yeah, it's like the Oscars when they have the seat fillers. You know, you have to run. People run and fill in the seats when people get up. Uh, But yeah, Miami's always been that way, man. I remember going to the finals there, and like they would, they would like do announcements to try to get the fans to come back after halftime because there's all these parties that go on underneath uh, for, for, for uh, at halftime, there's all these things going on and the game is starting and people are still at the, uh, you know, at the bar and they forget to go back to the game. And so like the, the announcers were saying, you know, we've got to get them back or, you know, make sure you get back to your seat halftime uh, over now uh, because it was a little embarrassing to be in the NBA finals and have, uh, uh, you know, have half the, half the seats, even the good seats uh, be empty. 
Boston fans will have no idea what's that, what that is like ever because Boston fans are so diehard. I mean, they're so for this team that people will be out screaming in the streets. They have to shut down the streets outside the garden just because so many people are cheering out there. Yeah, well, I mean, the parties are better in Miami, I guess, too. Though. I think that's part of it. <laughs> it's probably true. All I know is whenever I watch a Celtics game, I'm looking at it like in its playoffs and you're like, man, I really like you actually feel like you're missing out on an experience, right? Yeah. You're watching the game and you're like, dude, man, I'm, I'm I'm seriously missing out right now. I should be there. Like, and it's the same in Golden State, you know, when they've got everybody there. It's the same in other teams around the league. But when I was watching Miami, I was like, dude, I'd be on the beach. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I paid to fly across the Atlantic Ocean to go to a Miami Heat game in the playoffs and it was that dead, and the vibes just weren't there, and it's just like I'd be like, dude, I'm gonna watch it on my phone on the beach. Have <laughs> more fun. I mean, I can't argue there. I agree. The the best place to watch a playoff game, like from in, in, that I've ever been, was actually Arco Arena in Sacramento. I, no place ever that was louder, uh, and 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 you know, it's probably like the opposite of Miami, where you know, there's there was just. Uh, there was nothing else to do. So if you had anything like you would, you would go to that game and you would just be, you would get all your frustrations from the day out and that and people just shouting. It was like, and it was like built like a tin can. So it was like, it was like if you put a metal bucket on your head and just whacked it with a wooden spoon for about, uh, you know, two, three hours, like that's what going to a playoff game at Arco was. It was pretty incredible. I mean, to be fair, if you had a playoff game in Sacramento right now, it's because it's the end of days. I'm sure it's like, uh, it's one of the the final sequences to unlock the horseman. I think so. Uh, I'm sure it'd be quite uh, rambunctious if there was another game there. I love that word, rambunctious. Um, did you guys see that Duncan Robinson just trashed the Celtics guest locker room, saying that it was awful? So Sean's going to be the one to speak on this, right? Because Sean's actually seen. No, I've 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 spent a lot of time in there. Yeah, it, it's he's not wrong. You know, what I mean, he's he's really he's not wrong. I mean, it's got like this dank linoleum sort of floor. It's that this weird carpet that you'd see like uh, in 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 a terrible office somewhere or, or in the airport or something like that. Uh, and it's always sort of wet, so it has kind of like a moldy sweat. Because I mean, guys are taking showers and coming in out and sweaty. Uh, and the place is like, you know, it's maybe, I don't know, 30 by, by 10, 12 feet. It's not a big room. Uh, and you've got all these big guys, and then the media comes in, and we're all huddled there just waiting for somebody to talk. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it's really, it, it really is worse. You've got these tables here that look like they could be from a yard sale, uh, that your neighbor's having, you know, these, these cheap plastic tables. Uh, it, it's really, really bad. Uh, and of course, you know, the Celtics are, are legendary for, uh, even before the TD garden back in the old Boston garden, the way they would manipulate the, the locker room and the things that they would do, uh, to try to gain an advantage. Uh, you know, Red Auerbach was, was sort of a master at that, uh, and ticked off just about every team that had to go in there and play. So, you know, Duncan Robinson in a way, he's lucky to be playing in this, in this locker room and not, uh, not the old Boston garden locker room. Well, that's that's actually created a lot of hype because I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Hulu has now come out with a Lakers Dynasty um, series that they have going on. And in episode two, they're covering the Lakers from like 
like the it's like early 80s right so the celtics and the lakers everybody knows hates each other it's going through all this thing and they're talking about how that was the worst place in the world to play because they would come into Boston with no air conditioning in the summer, no heat in the winter, and it was just miserable. They talked about playoffs games being in the upper 90s, and and you have Larry Bird that's just like, yeah, they just they weren't prepared to play in that sort of heat. Um, and it's so crazy to me that we're having the same discussion in 2022 about the yeah. Celtics uh, facilities, but they, they kind of joked about how um, – you know, the Lakers would be coming to stay in all throughout the night, the hotel, whatever hotel they stayed at, alarms would be going off and on. Well, and yeah, that happened in the, in the night's sleep. Yeah, I remember talking to Dan Shaughnessy about that, uh, you know, as a writer from uh, from the Globe. And what the what the Celtics used to do is they would leak it to the beat reporters like like Shaughnessy. They would leak where the where the, the Lakers were staying. And then Shaughnessy would put it in the paper uh, and and then, uh, you know, people would start showing, start pulling the fire alarm all throughout the 84 finals that happened there at the Marriott Copley, which is right there in downtown Boston. And uh, and all throughout the 84, it happened like four or five times. And Pat Riley actually went after Dan Shaughnessy once to complain about how could you put this yeah. in the paper? And Dan just kind of said, hey, I, I, I had the info, so I had to go with it. Uh, and that's that's that that's the kind of stuff that uh, that used to happen in those days. It's just so so funny to me because they're interviewing Larry Bird and Larry Bird's laughing about it. And he was like, yeah, there's no fans like Boston fans still to the, <laughs> he said they're the same way still to this day. And it is, it's funny because um, I covered game four. So I was being able to like interact with fans and stuff like that. And they show this little montage of Boston fans and it was 1984, 1985. And they're just like, hit the road, Jack or like, Boston's gonna win and it was like they were saying the exact same things that I was covering this year of the game four of the finals like it was like I could probably take clips from that I have and compare them to 1984 and it's the same mentality the same words that are coming out of the Boston fans mouths it was fun we, we don't we don't condone pulling fire alarms of course but you know, of if course. the Lakers are in town, you know, maybe maybe you look the other way <laughs> well they also don't like clothesline players anymore but well, it's that's questionable. That's yeah. questionable. We saw the playoffs. We saw how they treated people. Sure enough, uh, I want to know what's the how much different is the visiting locker room to the Celtics locker room? Like, are we talking night and day here, or what? Oh yeah, the Celtics locker room is is a palace, you know, compared to what you get from the visit. It's I mean, and, and really, like, even if you go to other other stadiums, uh, other arenas. The visiting locker room is not that bad. I mean, you want to leave a good impression on other players. You know, hey, you might be recruiting them for free agency. Whatever. Celtics make no bones about that. And the locker rooms are right across from each other. So you can, as you're opening the home locker room, you can look in. You can imagine the visiting players looking in like, you know, just just boy, I wish I could be there like like a uh, somebody in a desert would look at a, a, an oasis, a waterfall or something. You know, just like, oh, look at that. That's so beautiful. And then you turn back and you've got this, uh, you know, dingy dump that you're, that, that you're in the visitor's locker room. Uh, you know, these days, I don't know that it matters that much. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that it's still that way in Boston. That's hilarious. If you had to rate them one to ten, what would you rate the guest locker room and then the home locker room? 
I mean, the guest rocker room is 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 one. I mean, there's nothing close to it in, like, in anywhere. Like I'm telling you, anywhere in the league, there's nothing like it. You know, all the other visiting locker rooms are at least okay. I mean, they're all you know because they use them for other things and and you know hockey and whatever else they use them for all different sorts of things. But that's the only one that's just absolute trash up and down. Uh, and and you know the the home locker room is very very good. But I mean, some of these you know Dallas and 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 some of these other places have you know just incredible home locker rooms. So I probably put this up at like a seven on a scale of 10 in terms of their home locker room. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> and it could be that I'm a Boston fan right now, but I, I think mean, it's I, so funny. I just think that in my head, it's like, that's how it should be, right? You're, you're not welcome here. You, you shouldn't be, con- if you're here and you're comfortable, that means you, you're expecting to win or you've won. Like we want to make you as uncomfortable. We want you to be, even on the flight, just that, that, Passing thought of oh man, I gotta be in that locker room. Like, dude, man, rather be in Alcatraz. Like, uh, you want that to just flip through their head for like a 10 second moment, and that means that the whole point of it. Then, if that happens, you've what you've done exactly what you wanted to do, made people uncomfortable. Well, to Uh, me, it's funny that all that's going on, and their complaints during the playoffs coming from Golden State were that the fans were just hecklers and they were inappropriate and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm like, it wasn't the locker room you guys are trashing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you always get that, you know, in terms of the, the, the fans and all that stuff that always comes up. Uh, but, you know, I've been in a lot of places where the fans aren't very nice. I spent a lot of time in Philadelphia uh, and, you know, nobody's, nobody's rolling out any red carpets for you there either. Uh, but the, at least the locker room's okay. <laughs> That's funny. All right. What about Stan Van Gundy's um, comments about Marcus Smart's defending? Or actually, Williams defending. Marcus Smart is the blank best defender on the Celtics. Just give me a number. Where would you rank him? First, but second, see, now third. I'm gonna get, now you're going to get me in trouble. Just with answer all the, the question. Boston. Just answer the question. Just answer the question. Who cares about with all the Boston fans oh, just, now? Just answer the um, question. He's, he's not, he, in my opinion, I would put Grant Williams at the top, and then I would put Marcus Smart in the group of – well, no, I'd put Robert Williams a clear second. And then I'd put Marcus Smart in the group with Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. You know, what, what, what Stan said uh, was interesting, and it was in the middle of um, the Milwaukee series. So he's, he's, he's you know, watching Grant Williams – do what he did to, 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 to Giannis, make things as difficult as he did on Giannis. And Stan Van Gundy says uh, that, that Grant Williams is uh, not just the best defender on the Celtics. He's the best, maybe the best defender on the league in the league, uh, which, you know, uh, that, that was maybe a little exaggeration. I don't know. I'm a big Grant Williams fan, but that seemed to be uh, a little bit of that got us thinking about, all right, now, He's basically saying Marcus Smart is is the third best defender on the Celtics, uh, and this was the Defensive Player of the Year. So, uh, Adam, you are the uh, uh, the brains of this operation. What what w- do you agree with that? Would you say Marcus Smart is the third best defender on the Celtics? How would you rank the top five Celtics in terms of their defense? So the first thing we want to do, all right, and this is me being the. Uh... The, the the as you said the brains but this is me trying to get out of it a little bit i'm trying to i'm trying to uh 
give myself an out for when people disagree. So the first thing you want to do- I, I can tell you've been thinking about this all day, right? This has been on your mind. So you want to quantify whether somebody's a point of attack defender or wing defender. Are you a wing stopper? Or are, you, are you somebody that slides over to stop drives? Are you, are you playing in the lock and trail? Like what is your defensive role? Now, if you're saying the best defense, the best defender in the league, that tells me you can do everything. You can do, switch multiple positions. You can guard in the rear view slash lock and trail if it's a pick and roll play. You can stop wings from slashing. You're good off the ball at like attacking, defending, like, sorry, defending shots on a closeout. So you have everything in your locker. Marcus Smart has everything in his locker. He's one of the only genuine switchable guys one through five in the league. He's definitely the smallest player that can switch one through five in the league. Marcus Smart is the best defender on that Celtics team. There, there is no one better. Derek White is next in line in terms of defensive versatility, especially on the perimeter. In terms of impact, and that's how I'm going to rank these guys, I've got Marcus Smart one, Robert Williams two, Grant Williams three, Tatum at four, although Tatum could be three, but I'm going to keep Tatum at four, and then uh, Jalen Brown and Derek White can have some fisticuffs to decide who finishes number five. And that's hard, right? Because this Celtics team is defensively sound top to bottom. But if we're just talking defensive impact and, and not defensive skill, then Grant Williams comes in third for me. How would you have it, Maddie? Pretty close to the same. I, To me, it's hard to evaluate them on an individual level because I feel like whenever I watch the NBA, I kind of like evaluate it from a unit standpoint. And honestly, I think this is one of the best defenses that we've seen in a long time just because – each of those players that were just listed are so adaptable. Like we watch them and they change the way that they defend based off of who they're guarding at the time, which you don't see that a lot in the league right now at all. But um, I'm, I'm going to have to say that I agree with Adam and saying that Marcus smart is my number one. We're going to have to write this down that, that this is a day in which Maddie has agreed with Adam, like, like right out of the gate. That, that does not usually happen. It tasted like vinegar coming out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, and I, I mean, I, I think there's something else to be said for Marcus Smart, and that's just like a lot of defense is tone, approach, intensity. You know, that 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 intangible part that you can bring to it, uh, and I think a lot of that can be contagious. And and I think with him, you have to factor that in that that you know he he does kind of boost everybody in terms of how they play defense, in terms of the culture that they have, uh, the importance that he puts on defense. Um, and, and, and that's something that, you know, isn't going to necessarily be uh, in the individual. You know, you're not going to see that, but you're going to see it in, like you said, Maddie, in like the unit thing. Um, I don't even think this was Marcus Smart's best defensive year. Uh, and I'm not sure he was the best defensive player in the league. I think he got that the award sort of as a uh, as a lifetime achievement kind of thing, which 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 tends to happen with voters sometimes. But I would have him number one as well. And I, I agree with you that I think you know you you have to have Robert Williams right there too because a lot of what these guys are able to do is because they know they have Robert Williams behind them, right? That makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd have Grant number three. I had I I you know maybe this is like. Over the last few years, I mean, Jalen Brown used to be a much better defender than Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's gotten much better. In my head, Jalen Brown's still better. You know, maybe that's 
uh, sort of a bias of having watched them and haven't thought that over the last few years, but I'd have Jalen Brown fourth uh, and Jason Tatum fifth. That's, 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 that's my lineup. And, and you're right about Derek White. And I, I probably should have uh, considered him a little bit more, but I'd, I'd have Brown four and, and Tatum five. I am so glad that-, that you brought that up though, Sean, because you do kind of see a fall off for Brown going into this year because he used to have that grip almost like Marcus Smart where he just doesn't give up. I mean, he's just on you, on you, on you, on you. He didn't really have that that dog mentality going into this year. Throughout the year, I didn't I didn't feel like we saw it at all. Yeah, and I think that goes back to his rookie year. He didn't play a lot. You know, he he really didn't play much at all his rookie year. Uh, and the way when 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 they finally when Brad Stevens finally started using him during his rookie year, it was because he got on the floor because of his defense. I remember when they played Cleveland, they got walloped by Cleveland in, in that series. I think it was five games, uh, but it was one of those, it was really a sweep. But uh, uh, in the conference finals, uh, they started to use Jalen Brown on on LeBron James. And you could see that he was giving LeBron some some trouble, and it was probably a move they should have made earlier. Uh, but, but, yeah, I think that's, you know, early on in his career, the only way he was getting on the floor – was by by really being intense defensively, uh, and and yeah, I think that probably has faded uh, as he's gotten better offensively. You know, you can only you can only do so much uh, in the in the course of a game, so you know maybe he saves that energy a little bit more that way. But that is that is sort of how he made his bones uh, originally in the league. I'd uh, I'd just like to say that I think that the Celtics have ten excellent defenders, and choosing five is really really difficult. Yeah, and that, that was the point that Stan Van Gundy was making too. That that yeah. you know, that that other than Peyton Pritchard, everybody in that rotation was uh, a well above average defender, and that's 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 been such a key for them this year. Last year, I mean, now I guess we got we start thinking about the last year as last year, and this year as what's coming up. I, that's always a tough transition. And then they had Brogdon, who's another plus defender. I wouldn't call I wouldn't put him in. Derek White, the like class of defense. I think Derek White is um a level above what Brogdon is a def- as a defender. Uh, sim- you know when you when you're one of the league leaders in charges drawn, when your your anticipation means you're usually in front of guys before they come over screens. It's very rare you see Derek White go under when he should go over, go over when he should. Like his anticipation is really good. But even Brogdon coming in makes them eleven deep as like plus defenders, right? And like Brad Stevens is slowly chipping away at all the negative defenders, and unfortunately, you do need, in my opinion, you do need a single skill shooter or two for the regular season. You just they're just that's why they're so important during the regular season. But you have to give up some defense, which is what they're going to do with Sam Hauser and Gallinari this year. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Why do you keep making such good points this podcast? Who may? Yeah, I'm having to agree with everything that's coming out of your mouth. And I, I feel like I have imposter syndrome right now. Like, I don't know how to act. Get used to it because now we're talking actual basketball. So my points will always be good. I love it. I love it. We have a little bit of time left. And um, Kevin Durant still needs attention. So we might as well give it to him. Doesn't Twitter give him enough? Uh, apparently not. <laughs> If it doesn't, then he can go and get it on Twitter himself. He uh, he's, he's very Which good at that. He has. He's already deleted uh, two tweets today alone. Today so, alone. Today That's alone. like me when I get into arguments with people on social media. Like I'll clap back so quickly, then I'll be like, "Man, I shouldn't have said that." 
It's a little different for Kevin Durant. Social media manager. Yeah. Well, once he tweets something, and you know, it almost makes it worse if he deletes it, right? Because everybody's gonna know that he put it up there to begin with. That's what I'm just like. Why delete it? It looks worse when because then you have like six or seven articles that come out off your deleted tweet. Whereas if you would have just left it, people would have made their comments and moved on. But you have to know at this point that as soon as you tweet something people are screenshotting because they know that you're a deleter. He's definitely one of those people who's going to unsend text messages with the new <laughs> iOS update. He's a deleter. He's a deleter and an unsender. Your American accent was just beautiful right there. He's an unsender. Oh, wow. That actually uh, sounded like me. <laughs> we have a look. How many what do you guys think about KD, though? Yeah, we, what what happens here? What what he's not coming to the Celtics, correct? Right, right, right. Let's 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 take let's let's say all right, none of us can say he's going back to the Nets. Like let's take that off the table. You got to pick somewhere that he's going next year uh and, and no matter what. Even if even if he does wind up back with the Nets, let's just say he goes somewhere. Where would you pick Adam? Sacramento. I love it. I was like, (laughs) I don't agree with that. Jokes aside, I think Boston is obviously the most logical. Personally, I really want to see him in New Orleans. It's not where he wants to go. It's not so, it'll be like the, you know, Kawhi Leonard wants to go to Los Angeles. So we're sending him to Canada type of mentality, which I loved at the time. Uh, but I do think the fit's like better than what a lot of people are expecting. You know, CJ McCollum, Zion Williamson, Kevin Durant. Or maybe you throw CJ in there and keep Brandon Ingram instead. However, you want to work it. I think that they've been the the Pelicans have been slept on as a legitimate contender for his signature because they have in every asset imaginable needed to require him. So if it's not the Celtics, then yeah, I think it's New Orleans. Although coming on Shams reporting today, if Memphis are involved, then they're another contender. But I just don't think they'd be willing to give up the assets necessary to get the deal done. I couldn't believe, I mean, uh, you know, they wouldn't give up Jaron Jackson Jr., which to me, that's a little crazy. And then they wouldn't give up Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain, or, or, you know, if I'm, if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, wait, you won't, you won't give up Desmond Bain? Is that, is that where I am at this point? And, you know, I mean, that's, that's something that's obviously, wow. I, I, I'd like to see him go to Minnesota. I think that would be a place where, uh, you know, when you look at, th- they could do the deal. Like you could do straight up Carl Anthony Towns, for, for, for Kevin Durant. And I, I, you know, there was some discussion about that earlier. Um, if, if you did that and you've got Anthony, I mean, I think Towns has the problem of, he just doesn't have that edge. He doesn't have that toughness. He's not that real championship guy, but if you get Durant there with, with Anthony Edwards, uh, I think that makes D'Angelo Russell that much better. You've got Gobert as that, as that second line. Uh, they got Kyle Anderson, which I think is a, a pretty good pickup for them. Uh, McDaniels has, has been a really promising guy. I think that becomes a real interesting team if Kevin Durant were wind up in, in Minnesota. So I'm picking Minnesota. Fun fact, Anthony Edwards is my favorite non-Celtics player in the NBA. I can see that. By an absolute country mile. Why? He's a good act, a good actor too. Yeah, he is a good actor. Why? I love his, I love his attitude, his swagger. He's exceptionally good at basketball. Um, he, he, I, I joy if we, if I could choose anyone other than Jason Tatum to go for, or, yeah, Jason Tatum and Grant Williams. If I could take them two out the equation 
and choose for someone to go for a beer with, it's Anthony Edwards. Do you, do you choose Grant Williams just because he looks like a Ninja Turtle? A little bit, but it's also because it's like, like you know, I'm I'm not from those parts. Like you know, people may see me yeah. as a target. Jason Tatum is very tall, so no one's going to mess there. Grant mm-hmm. Williams is incredibly strong, and if not, Anthony Edwards looks like he can hold it down. So you know, me and him will be okay. That's a nice little <laughs> squad to roll with. I turn up, um, turn up at like a pro am, and it'll be me, Jason, Grant. Anthony Edwards, and then just some tall dude we find in the parking lot, and we're good to go. And they're going to be like, why did you guys bring your driver? It's about a tall guy. I know, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it was awesome chatting with you guys. Um, we'll be back next week. Excellent. Goodbye. <laughs>